Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to First um, uh, Timothy. Uh, we're uh, working through uh, verse by verse First uh, Timothy, and we're going to continue our study in that this morning. And we're going to be looking at uh, uh, verses thirteen through seventeen this morning, maybe. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and. Uh, Lord, we're excited that March is coming, but uh, it's really good. So surprising how that sneaks up on you every year. Same time, too. But, Lord, we are here this morning, and, uh, Lord, we, we're, we're desire, our desire, Lord, is to, is to uh, soak in everything that you would have for us today. Not this afternoon, not tomorrow. Uh, but today we want to be present and available for you to work in our hearts, Lord. Lord, help us not to miss the grace that you have for us at this moment. Help us to, to step into what you would want to do in our hearts and lives, that we could be uh, actively present and engaged with you and the people that we love and the people that we love. We would not miss them uh, this morning. So we turn to your word and the same, Lord. Help us to be actively engaged and to really receive from you all that you would have for us at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. When we look at our text uh, flowing out of last week, we know that the Apostle Paul was imprisoned for a number of years and was released from prison, and there was a conflict that arose in the churches. And the conflict was that the Judaizers, the false teachers of Paul's day, had come into the church and they were stealing away, they were stealing away from uh, the people there, uh, the very things that Jesus Christ had won on the cross, the very things that the Lord would want to impart into people's lives, that the Judaizers and the false teachers of Paul's day, they were stealing that. They were stealing that from the people's hearts. And what is true in Paul's day is true in every age, at every time, in every church, in every era, is that the gospel is always uh, the target of the enemy, and grace is always the thing that the enemy wants to steal away from our hearts, always. And he does that through a lot of different ways. He'll do it through false teaching. He'll do it through the busyness. He'll do it through the circumstances of our life, the difficulties that we have in our life. And, and yet, in the midst of all of those things, even in the midst of an imprisonment, uh, what Paul experiences and appropriates every single day of his life is, is the grace of God that transforms his life and brings strength and courage and joy. And see, every day we wake up, we have to make a decision of what is going to be our testimony for that day. What is going to be our confidence? What is going to be, what is going to be the thing that, that 
that oozes out of our heart that if we're in the community, people just, they stop and they say, and, and what do you do? And who are you? And because grace is, grace confronts culture. Grace, grace witnesses to something that is inside of you that is greater than the culture of the day. Grace that, that transforms, grace from the gospel that transforms, makes us a totally new creation in Christ. It makes us so distinct, so unique, so like, um, uh, yikes, so different that it's striking. And so when Paul looks at these false teachers, he speaks to them, speaks to Timothy. In verse 3, he says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship, rather than the stewardship of the gospel. And when we look at when we look at culture, even Christian culture, Christian culture and and the culture of the day is pretty evident, but all these things tend to woo us away into into dead ends and to speculations rather than nurture our hearts in the grace of God. And they steal from us all the benefits of grace which are our transformed life, which is a confidence that no matter what comes in life, the Lord is greater, and it removes us from, from enjoying all that God has for us today. And so when we look at Paul's testimony, what we're going to see is, is a proclamation of grace that I want to encourage my own heart this morning to deeply drink in, drink from, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. And I want to encourage you to, to let this type of grace transform your life. And Paul's going to express that. So in the midst of false teaching, Paul has a testimony. And his testimony is about the power of grace. Let's read it. You have your notes. I just say lay them aside for a few minutes. You'll get them. You know, you can take them home with you. But let's read the text and then let's comment on, on how we can nurture grace in, in our hearts and have a testimony that is striking and a testimony that is appealing to the culture of our day and a testimony that, that speaks into the people that we love that there's a better way, uh, and we'll get into that. So look at verse 12 with me. We'll read it through, and then we'll come back. Uh, Paul says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, 
of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The first thing that we can see in Paul's testimony of grace is that the source of grace is found in a personal relationship, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And the number one evidence, the number one evidence of a changed life a life that's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The number one evidence of that is that there is, there is a passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ because he is the one that has rescued us. He is the one that has given us new life. He is the one that has transformed our life. And so we pursue him because he is the lover of our soul. And he is the person that has given us his life so that we could have life. See, grace, uh, grace is not about, uh, um, this is like, this is not helpful as a pastor to say this, but grace is not about this church facility. Grace isn't even about this church. It's a byproduct of grace. But to, but, but to serve a church and to pursue a church or to pursue a denomination or to, or, to, or to pursue anything other than Jesus Christ just results in a sense of dissatisfaction. But if we're pursuing Christ, if we're pursuing him because he's the lover of our soul, then we find that the source of grace is only found in a, in a person. And so when we share our testimony, as the Apostle Paul does, right? As we share our testimony, as we go out into the community and live a life that's transformed by grace, which is, which is ridiculously appealing to people. Because if you can live a life of grace, a life that no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what experience has broken your heart, no matter, no matter what difficulties you, you've embraced, but if you're living in Christ and you're living in the benefits of being connected to him and being transformed in him, there is, there is an appealing, there is something that oozes out of you that people go, what is that? And so when we go share our testimony... Let the first words be out of our lips. Oh, I don't, I go, oh, I, let the first words out of your lips be about a person, Jesus Christ, and not Calvary Chapel. And not what a great little Irish pastor you have. Let it be about Jesus. Let him be the first words out of your mouth. And when you're sharing your testimony, it's not about religion. And it's not about systematic theology. It's about this. I met Jesus Christ and he changed my life. When I was a young guy and in the Air Force, the testimony I had was not, was not about anything else then I prayed a prayer to a person, and oh my God, 
He forgave my sins and he changed my life. There was, there's, no, there, there's, there's no counter to that. There's no counter at all. They can't say, oh, well, it didn't happen because you have a changed life. They can't say, well, well, I don't like religion or that church stuff. It's not about a church at all. It's about a personal relationship with a person. His name's Jesus Christ. And so this morning, have you locked arms around that person? Again, today, this morning. Have you, have you embraced the lover of your soul? Have you, have you come to him and said, Lord, nurture my heart in your love and your grace and your mercy? And when you run into people in the community, do you point them to a religion or set of doctrines? All those things are important. They're right here in our text. But the most appealing thing about the Apostle Paul is that he was on the road to Damascus. And the Lord says to him, Saul, Saul. And he goes, who are you, who, who are you sir? <laughs> who are you, sir? And he goes, I am Jesus. You know the one you have persecuted? I am he. And I have come to rescue you from yourself. Second thing that we can see in the text is, is the scope of grace as defined by mercy. And mercy is, is something that is a little bit different than grace. Mercy is that we really deserve to get something. Grace is we didn't deserve to get it, right? Grace is we didn't deserve to get it, but we got it as a gift, just salvation by faith, right? But mercy is a little bit different. Mercy is you deserve to be taken to the woodshed. Mercy is you deserve to be punished. Mercy is you deserved not you deserved to reap what you've sown. And the scope of this mercy and the scope of God's grace is unlimited but conditional. And the condition is this for God's mercy. And here's a, here's a freeing where you can step into something today that will just like transform you and blow your mind. That when truth comes, when the gospel truth comes and exposes the sin that's in your life. And, and God's, faith, God's faithful to do this like no matter how old you are in the Lord. Oh, I've been a Christian, blah, blah, blah. But are you a Christian today? Now, I know the theological implications. I'm, it's a little weirdness that I'm talking right now. But are you a Christian today? Because God's truth wants to come and expose sin in your life today, like right now. He, God wants to take his Holy Spirit flashlight, phanerosis, and shine it on the sin that's in your life. And, and if, you, if you will do this, if you will turn from that sin and repent, there is an unlimited amount of mercy that you'll receive from the Lord. It's transformational. 
And so when Paul goes, I was in ignorance and I was once this way, but Jesus came and I got unbelievable mercy, unbelievable patience, unbelievable forgiveness. We can experience that every single day of our life. That when we when we're when we're walking through when we're walking through life and the Holy Spirit comes and says, you know, Eddie, you, you, you need to stop doing that. And I have a lot of helpers that think they're the Holy Spirit and they speak that to me, you know, like, Eddie, you should stop doing that. And, and, and a lot of times they are, the, they are being used by the Lord. But, but you know what that experience is like, right? And then you have, you have a decision to make. Will you tap into the unlimited mercy of God and be transformed? Because that's what God is up to in your life. Is that will you, will you step into what he, you know, I guess the latest like way to express this. Will you step into God's story for your life, right? Will you do it? Paul was able to express that because he was ignorant... Yet when truth came, he did what? He repented, he turned. And so there's things in your life that you're ignorant about. And God's truth wants to shine his light on that area of your life. And the only question is, is will, will you turn when that happens and receive this mercy? If you will, mercy is unlimited. Grace is unlimited. Transformation is available to you. If you choose not to do that, then you just continue in your sin and you continue in your lifestyle and you continue in your misery. But being in New England, we love misery. We love darkness and cold days. Little sunlight. No, that's not true. Paul was able to experience the unlimited mercy of God because when he was ignorant and when truth came, verse 14, he experienced the sufficiency or the abundant transformation that came because he turned and repented of his sin. Take a look at verse 14 with me this morning. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in who? Christ Jesus. John 10.10 says what? I've come to give you what type of a life? Abundant life. In the context there, Jesus says that the enemy, the thief, comes to what? Steal, kill, destroy. But I have come that you might have, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. And so when, when, when Paul was in his ignorance and the light shone on him and he turned, he received what? Unlimited grace, unlimited mercy, and abundant life that overflowed in his life because of who he was in Jesus Christ. God wants his desire. His desire is to transform you. That's what he's up to. Another word for that that we learned in First Thessalonians chapter four, I think it's verse three, that the will 
the will of God is what? Your sanctification. And so when we do this church gig here, huh? <laughs> like we do this church gig here, um, the, what the Lord wants is that when we come into his presence, he, he, he wants to transform you. And he shines his light on areas of your life that you might be ignorant about. And I think even that is God's mercy. Can you imagine, like, when you first came to know Christ, if, if he showed you all your sins and all, your, all the things that are going on in your life and all the darkness of your heart, could anyone survive that? And he showed you all the things that, that you were going to go through in your life, all, like, in a minute, like, Fast, one of those, like, iPhone videos, you know. None of us. And so God, in his mercy, brings us to a place, gives us a little sabbatical, and then he shines his light on it and says, do you want to go deeper? Do you want to get more, do you want more of me in your life? And that is the Apostle Paul's testimony. Come back to the text with me. The summation of grace... Or a way to summarize grace is this, is that we have a seeking God who's after you. In Luke 19.10, you got this little Jewish guy, he's up in the trees, Zacchaeus, right? He's hanging out there, saying, oh, maybe I could get a lunch date with Jesus. And what's Jesus' testimony of his purpose? Come to seek and save the lost. Grace is observed in a seeking God who's after you. He is, he, is, he is intentionally after you. He wants you for himself. And he keeps on coming and coming. It's like that old English um, poem there, like the, the, do- the dogs of heaven pursuing you, the hounds of heaven after you. And he's after you. Why? Why is he after you? Because he loves you. And he doesn't want heaven to be without you. Lastly, there's a song. There's a response to grace. And the song and the response to grace is what? Gratitude. I would say that it is one way to look at at Paul's song that he sings, uh, in verse seventeen, to the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. There, there is there is a quality that grace produces and transforms that the word choice that I like is there is a winsomeness that comes out in your life. Winsome is an old English word, compound word, two, two little words combined together. Win, which is joy, and some is, some, is, is just enhancing the joy. And so it's defined, and winsome is defined like this, pleasing, 
and engaging, often like a child, often like a child's innocence and the quality of being charming. And when Paul responds to grace, there is gratitude, there is joy, there is winsomeness. And his testimony is set and counters the legalists and Judaizers of of his day that had one purpose, which is to bring the people into bondage and to steal the grace and to steal God's joy from their life. And so my encouragement to my own heart this morning is to continue to pursue Christ, to continue to experience his joy, to continue to let him to speak to me, that he would transform my life, that, that what's, what's on the inside would bring me joy, would bring a love for people, and would be a good witness for Jesus Christ. One last thing. This morning when I woke up, my practice is before I get out of bed, I reach over, where's the glasses? Here's my iPhone. And I open up my devotional. And uh, you know what this morning's devotional was about? Sharing your testimony. Sharing your testimony. And I like opened it and it's so like cool. You open it. And like over and over again, you know, like what happens is is either something I need then or something that's going to happen in the day. The, those things happen. It's, it's, it's a naturally supernatural thing. The natural part is that you do a devotion. The supernatural part is how the Holy Spirit uses it. So I knew I'm going to teach on te- Paul's testimony today. And you, I wish I had a little like video of me because I open the thing up and I go, ha! And and what that does, what that does in in your life, like when you know, when you know that God is speaking, when you know he's working in your life, that comes out in every aspect of your life, both within your, your own heart, your own walk with Christ, you have a greater like awareness that you're his child and, and he's, he's got your back. But it comes out in all your relationships with people because you, you, you are modeling, witnessing that you have a relationship with a person that's leading and guiding your life that you can trust and have confidence in. And his name is Jesus. And so step into that. I started this morning by saying, did you, get, did you soak in all the grace God has for you right now, right this moment? Are you living um, in the moment? Because if you are, your eyes will be open to what God wants to speak and do 
And equally as important, your eyes will be open to the people around you that need you to step into their life. Paul's testimony was a, was a testimony to God's grace and was a, was a confrontation to his culture, the culture of his day, which was designed to steal away people's confidence and grace in God. 